Welcome to the Home Ownership and Marriage Podcast with the Low Property Team, where it is all about running a successful business together and balancing a healthy marriage. Host Jarrell and Brittany Lowe, purpose and passion is to help you create the life you want by turning your combined passions into generational wealth while sharing what they've learned on their journey with you. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. We are so excited to dive into it. My name is Brittany Lowe. And I'm Jarrell Lowe. And we are the Lowe Property Team. Today, we're going to just be talking about how the road to passive income isn't always passive. Oh, the journey. The the journey indeed. You know, I, I think it's something that has truly become a buzzword or a buzz phrase, however you want to call it. Mailbox money. Yeah. It just, you know, it's just used frequently, right? In, in the media, in everyday conversations. We hear it a lot. You know, we get folks asking and we just wanted to just talk about it, um, you know, just about what passive income is. And, you know, just the the ins and outs, debunking some myths and really get into it. And real quick, right, the passive income myth. Well, we do want to share from experience. You know, Brittany and I have out-of-state rentals. We have in California a rental. And it is great, you know, to receive the rent, whatever it is, the first of the month, the fifth of the month, and seeing that clear your account or to get that little dopamine hit from your bank account, ding, you got money, right? But the reality is there's a lot more work than what is being portrayed or what the world is telling us. And so we hear a lot of people talking about, we're investors, or I'm an investor. I want to look at a fourplex. I want to, and the first question we typically ask is, oh, do you have experience? You know, how many rental, how many doors do you have? Yeah, or what does your portfolio look like? Yeah, And I think it's something what we wanted to accomplish today was talking about understanding of that passive income myth and knowing that there's more work than just just collecting a check every first of the month. Yeah. And so passive income by definition actually is earnings that are derived from a rental property, a limited partnership, or other enterprise in which the person is not actively involved. So as with active income, Passive income is taxable, but it's often treated differently by the IRS. I think that's something that is a lot of folks don't know or aren't aware of is that they just think it's just money coming in that's not taxed. Yeah. And it it is indeed taxed. It's just in a different bracket. Yeah. And I think a great, you know, I don't know if you guys are looking for the cliff notes or what you're trying to get, but I think a great book that will capture this point or understanding passive income and what it looks like is the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Absolutely amazing book that gives you understanding how I am an employee and what that looks like. And now how am I as a business owner investor and what my tax brackets look like? You know, the taxes on an employee is always going to be higher than the owner and an investor. Why? Because those taxes, our system is built off the workers, the backs of the workers. So if we stay in this place of being workers, absolutely. And this is no knock on the nine to fivers. There's no knock on, you know, the the ones that have done 30 plus years of at this one, uh, at their institution or job or occupation. Yeah, whatever. We just want to highlight and share with you 
There's nothing wrong with having a side hustle while you maintain that nine to five, but also understand that side hustle requires a little work. If you're going to bank on rent every first of the month, be prepared to have an emergency fund. Be prepared to have some things set aside just in case, because this is an actual house that you're maintaining. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, if you're utilizing passive income for rental properties. And I think something that we want to briefly cover is that there's different levels to investing, right? You know, for some folks, they work a nine to five job and they like to use this money on the side to pay for their child's education or their retirement, whatever the case might be. Now, there's some people that have been doing it for years and they are able to then quit their nine to five and do investing full time, right? That's there's so many different levels to it, but I think what often gets portrayed in society is, you know what, I'm just going to stop my nine to five and I'm just going to go be an investor. And that's what I'm going to do with having zero or little to no experience um, or even just having the financial backings for what that's going to entail. So you really, I would say one, because like Jarell had shared, him and myself have purchased properties and have gotten, you know, this is over the course of a couple years. We're not talking a couple of months or anything. Always starts with one and then okay, you go through the first year and then, okay, you assess. You say what worked, what didn't work. And then do we go to number two and number three? And then do we start buying in bulk packages? So it's really a gradual process. And so what we did initially was, uh, our biggest thing was, Drell loves reading books, right? So a lot of our information was coming from people that have written articles, written books and have done it, right? And say, okay, how is this going to work for us? Because what might've worked for them may not work for us. And then also talking to people who were actual investors in the areas that we were looking in, you know, flying out to these different areas and speaking with different people, speaking to experts in the field. Often we were also speaking to different realtors that specialize in that specific neighborhood or that specific area. So really, like we always say, information is crucial, right? It has the ability to change your situation you just have to, one, act on it. But I wouldn't say go in head first with absolutely no knowledge and absolutely no financial backing, yeah. right? That, that's too much of a risk. Can I just play on something that you just said? And I think the important thing to note is boots on the ground. Brittany, you just mentioned that information is the context. It, it's so much information in the world that we have access to, right? Now we have the internet, we have phones, we have all these things where an investor can invest out of state without being in that state or visiting that state, mm -hmm. right? A lot of things can be done in that format. But for us, right, for us, we felt we needed one to get boots on the ground. We needed to understand the demographics. We needed to understand the culture of that community. Can we see ourselves, our corporation thriving in that community? And I think a lot of what the media is portraying is, man, this is a get-rich-quick scheme. And I'm here to say, no, it's not. Well, for us, no, it's not. This is our retirement plan in the sense, let me share why, in the sense that you can go out and buy a home, right? You hear a lot of people saying, buy one rental property once a year. And well, let me just reference a conversation I was having with someone uh, recently in California. Yo, just buy a property once a year and let that year, two to 300, 400 that you're cash flowing from that property now become your retirement plan. You're throwing 400 back at something. But the reality, it, the gentleman said, was where in the world am I going to get property in California for that amount of money? And I think we're so glued on that what long distance real estate investing looks like. 
I shared with the gentleman, I think the biggest mistake me and Brittany made with our first property is all cashing it. We should have leveraged a loan. We should have leveraged instead of tying up all of our cash into this one property. But that's a story that we've learned and it's prepared us for number two, right? You need to find the markets where this is 2022. You guys, we're going into 2023. There is markets across the U.S. where you can get houses for $75,000. You can get houses for, for $50,000. You can get a house for $100,000 that's turnkey, ready to go. The thing that's required of you is you have to do a little back search. You got to research the areas. Is this a C-plus area? Is this a B-minus area? What is the school district? What is the main occupation or what is the corporations in this area? Is it health influence? These are the things that you tend to focus on. And when we're talking about that passive income, we want to understand who's going to be occupying this space. And I think that's an important message to know as we're talking about boots on the ground, i.e. why we love to be able to go to the areas we invest in instead of just looking at a computer screen. Yeah. And I think something that's really important to note as well is when you're doing that research, right? You can't simply just type into Google and say, what markets or what states right now are hot and that I can invest in as a as a first-time investor, right? Because by the time that that article is already written, that specific market has already drastically changed. For instance, I think it was right during the pandemic, a lot of folks were moving out of California. They were moving to Texas. They were moving to Idaho, Reno, you know. So there was so much, so much happening. And that when you look at the past data, you said, okay, these houses were going for X amount. Now in that specific time frame, they were going for almost twice the amount because those areas, those neighborhoods, whatever the case might be, had an understanding that so many folks were flocking outside of California. So of course, those prices are going to are going to skyrocket and be different. So you almost have to do research and take a risk of some markets that might not be completely on everyone's radar um, at the moment, right? Like Atlanta or something. And then the other well, thing- Well, Atlanta is a hot market. I would tell you a couple of markets that you, well, that you might want to look at that it's definitely getting saturated, but take a look at your Ohio market. Take a look at your St. Louis market. You know, Detroit is on a come up, like they're doing some amazing things in Detroit. And then I would not, I would not stay away from the South, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, these are some places that are making drastic changes and the, the the affordability is still there where you can get a decent property. Yeah. And I think another thing that Jarrell had mentioned too was, you know, with our first property, you know, because that's another thing to talk about. Do you use all cash? Do you use a loan? I think... Don't do it. Well, I, well what I want to say though is that I think a lot of folks as well go into this my, go into this with a mindset of, okay, you know, I'm going to be an investor and I'm going to do, I'm going to make passive income, but are so unaware that if you use a loan, you're technically not using, you're, you're not making anything off of what you get per month. So yes, somebody else is paying for your mortgage, but you're simply just paying the mortgage off of somebody else's money. Whereas some people said, well, I want cash flow. Cash flow and passive income are completely two different things. So you have to, one, if you have the ability to buy all cash, that's great. You know, for us, we preferred, if we could have done it all over again, we would have gone a different route. But for some folks, it makes sense to go that route. But I think, you know, so going in with an understanding of, okay, I want to be able to make passive income. Do I want to cash flow from this? And how many years is it going to take? Because that loan is going to have to be paid off. You can't automatically just apply for a loan, 
uh, lease it out to somebody else and then you're making a cash flow, the mortgage still has to get paid. So I think what's important also is, you know, let's just debunk the passive income myth outright. Truly passive income doesn't exist. I think, you know, it's a term that is loosely thrown around to define a revenue stream that takes little to no effort to manage. And that is so, it is so, so incorrect. Well, I think we live in a day where just show me how I get the results without having to do the work. Instant gratification. Give me the cliff notes. I don't want to read the whole book. I want somebody to do this work for me and produce the same results that we're looking to get, right? Pat, when we're talking about passive income, we have to understand that there's going to be work required. Now, there's there's three big where you can earn some pretty decent passive income, right? Uh, There might be more, but this is just the ones I'm pretty familiar with. Cryptocurrency, which I have no experience with and I'm not going to even try to understand. Two, stocks, dividends, Vanguard, mutual funds. These are where places you can grow passive income. But it also requires work of managing it. And then real estate. And I think what we have to understand is why is the market so hot? There's multiple reasons across the states why the market's so hot. An article just came out two months ago that JP Morgan is investing $1.1 billion or $1.2 billion into purchasing single-family homes. That means they understand the value that the properties have. That's why we've been singing this tune for quite some time. Buy real estate and hold. Don't wait to buy real estate because if you wait, you're getting in at a time where it's going to be so complicated, so many more challenges. Right now, I can show you a property for $75,000 where you only have to put $15,000 to $20,000 down out of pocket, save $5,000 in an emergency account, and you'll be collecting a check. Uh, Well, you'll be collecting a check anywhere from two dollars to $400 a month. But it requires work finding a property manager company. It requires work in the sense, well, what if the tenants move out early? What if, you know, all these things that could happen with the house, a broken window, a furnace, a water heater. That's why it's important to understand, yes, mailbox money, passive income, whatever you want to call it. It's important to understand that these items are going to require work, right? And that's what we want to share is, yes, passive income is absolutely obtainable, but not, not without a little work is some things that are required of you that you have to maintain, you know, and then you, once you get it up to par, once you get your property to a standard, right? And the property management understands your style, what you like to do. Now it's easier to get through, you know, a 14 month lease, a 16 month lease, and then potentially keeping that renter in place. These are some things. And then maybe we can, I, I, later in the show, I'll talk about some tricks that we're using Uh, to help, you know, keep our tenants in place. Yeah. So I think, you know, overall, like what we're saying, right, the media is portraying that everyone can be an investor or an entrepreneur. We've seen it firsthand. We've talked to plenty of folks. But what's not discussed about that is just the constant ongoing behind the scenes work of what it takes to be an investor, to be a landlord. One, are you purchasing in or out of state, studying the trends? Two, property management company. That's a huge one. Are you managing it yourself? It's going to be really hard to manage a property, you know, if you live in California and you have a property in Florida. So you're going to need a property management company. It can be done, but I would say... Uh, Yeah, well, it just depends on how much risk you're wanting to take. You know, are you purchasing all cash? Are you taking out a loan, et cetera, right? These These are prime, I would just say like, 
first questions that need to be answered before stating, you know what, I'm an investor, but I've never owned a home. I want to purchase a home and I'm going to quit my nine to five, right? Those are so important details that need to be methodically just one, analyzed, two, executed before you can do anything. So if we can, let's, we've given them a lot of information. Now let's give you that. How do we correlate this? I hear what you guys are saying with all this investment stuff, but make it make sense. Brittany and I purchased our first property out of state 2018 or something like that. 2017. I don't remember. 20 something. Right. And we we came across the gym. We absolutely made a mistake by going all cash in on this property. And, you know, if I could do it all over again, I would have bought two or three properties with that cash that we went heavy on this one property. But that's okay, right? It's a lesson learned. We own it. It's in our pocket. We, we have it in our portfolio. This property has had the same tenant in it, and she has faithfully, faithfully been paying every month on time. The payment dropped every fourth. Wasn't a problem. I think um, it was uh, last month we got a notice from the property management company that the tenant had moved out. And I was like, crap, you know, is there anything we could have did different? You know, can we subsidize the rent, drop it 25 bucks, whatever, to help her stay? But that was, nevertheless, that was passed and gone. Well, in the process of uh, the tenant moving out and trying to get the workers in there to get things taken care of, the water heater was stolen. Our plumbing was stolen, you know, the stuff under your seat. Yeah, the place got broken into. It got thrashed. So now we got to fly out. I'm going to fly out this week and I'm going to boots on the ground because I want to meet with the contractor. You're not going to take advantage of me, right? And I don't know what your experience is with contractors, but it's easy for them to run up a bill versus I'm going to show up at Home Depot with you. And we're going to see what this cost is together because you're not going to surcharge me in a ridiculous amount just by you, I'm staying in California and you're taking care of everything in that state on your own. Well, and, and side note as well, I just want to mention this as Jill's kind of explaining just kind of our own experience is that a lot of, you know, if you are purchasing out of state, a lot of folks who are property management companies, whatever the case might be, property manager, they are used to and kind of accustomed to working with California landlords. So sometimes they like to get away with, you know, what they can get away with. And sometimes they go by the books. You know, we had our first experience and we, with a property management team, and we said, you know what, this isn't working for us. We're going to need to go another route because we prefer lots of communication. And the lack of communication was hindering a lot of things that were occurring and that we wanted to grow. So that was another area is that I need a great property management company. But like I said, a lot of these people, they it's almost like this, oh, you're a California investor. So you have to show face and you have to show that you're educated because you will be taken advantage of. Well, I think it's also partly a fault of our own, right? Yeah. Because a lot of us are just throwing money and they're yep. like, and I that don't we care. don't care. Well, I don't care. And we're like, we ain't got money like that to throw. So we need to manage. So this week I'm flying out and I got to spend three or four days out there taking a look at the property, walking through it. And there's two things I want you to understand in this, right? Um, when you're turning a property over for preparing it for another tenant, your property management company should give you two quotes or your contractor should give you two quotes to get it up to standard, right? I want this property to be up to standard. Or As in livable, that meets livable, health and safety criteria. Yeah. 
Or the second quote is, we want this to be above standard and this is how we attract those long-term tenants. So we can make more money we per month, essentially. The rent, increase the rent generously and kind of meet the needs of what we're looking for in our investment. And I say this, this I bring up these two options because a lot of people would err on option A and that's going to continue to be a cost out of pocket, right? If you just do the bare minimum with your investment just to get by, it's going to eat at your pockets year in and year out. But if you just go in there, right, one time and say, hey, we're doing vinyl through the whole house. We're doing all new windows. I want all new plumbing and I want the electrical to be buttoned up. You know, that person moving in is going to see that you've invested some, some time and energy in the space and they want this to feel like home. They want it to be safe. Heck, they might have a they might have children or loved ones, and they want to be coming to they want to be in a safe environment. How can we provide that? That's why option B is going to be a little bit more out of pocket right now. But you just got it. That's where we say, when you're in this passive game or passive income game, always keep an emergency account. Right, this emergency account is just in case the water heater goes, just in case the plumbing snaps or a window breaks. Well, in our our luck. All of it's gone. <laughs> they broke the yeah. window. They took the water heater. Yeah, and that's that's just that just happens, right? That's just life, and that's you just have to prepare for that. But I think you know something that with choosing that option B is one that's gonna that's gonna save you in the long run for upgrades, right? And I am I am a prime advocate for if I have two items at the store, right? And this is nothing to do with real estate. If I have two items at the store and one is cheaper but it's a lower quality knockoff brand, or if I am comparing it to another item and it is five-star reviews by everyone, I have friends and family that have used it and it's a lot more expensive, I'm going with that one so that I don't have to, over time, have to purchase that other item three times and put some Band-Aids on it and then at the end of the day, pay the equivalent of what I would have paid in the beginning, right? So if you pay upfront for, like we're saying with this house, right? It's going to save you in the long run. It's going to save you the amount of flights that you're going to have to go for, for us to the property to say, okay, what happened now? Okay, now it's the roof, right? So if you just do it correctly, it's going to save you time and it's going to save you money. But that's also something to talk about as an investor is because there's some investors that prefer to just buy. We love fixer uppers. Those That's our bread and butter. But there's other fixer uppers that prefer to buy properties that are buttoned up, ready to go in prime condition, right? And to, um, you know, rent as is. So it, it, it really varies and it comes down to preference of what works for you. I would say we are gentle fixer uppers we don't do well yeah yeah no we let i should say we love fixer uppers because we love you know we love our crews and our teams they're great to us we try to be great to them and that's just what we like to do for me it's kind of like a hobby or like a project you know I, i enjoy that stuff um you know but i'm also not sitting in in the house and like you see these hgtv shows i am not putting a hammer to a wall doing anything right i am I am the best delegator that you will ever meet. And one of Brittany's favorite words in this whole process is write-offs, right? And that's what we want to highlight. When we're talking about passive income, this is a business. It is an actual business. None of our properties are sitting in our direct names. It's sitting in the business name. Why? Because now the flights, now the roof, now the water here, all these items become a part of that pro- part of that business expense. Well, and and you also can't just, uh, you have to actually 
apply for a business and have a business to do this. One, you yeah. can't just say, you know, I'm an investor and I I have a bit, there has to be paperwork, legal paperwork behind it, especially when you're doing your taxes, right? You just can't go to your CPA and say, well, I'm investing and I don't have a business, but this is just what I'm doing, right? And if you want those benefits and abilities, you have to actually be a business. It's not a requirement. You can absolutely use your name to invest in, right? Just make sure you have your insurance buttoned up. But but for us, we decided we're going to put this in a business and have the business, you know, this whole operation secured, buttoned up, clean, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, with that, I, I think Brittany has done a great job of capturing everything. Only thing I really want us to understand is passive income when we're looking at it, right? We talk about having an emergency fund, and that emergency fund is just in case for these scenarios. If real estate is not your uh, cup of tea, cup of tea, and you're into stocks. I would still say have an emergency fund. You know, you never know what life's going to throw at you. And we have to be ready for everything, everything that's coming. For us, you know, in our family, in our home that we have, we have to make sure priorities are taken care of. Then we can get into the properties that we have and making sure that we get our families handled. I think one of the things, and as we're in the midst of the holidays, one of the things me and Brittany become very, we were very fond of, um, was the idea of giving our tenants December, the month of December off. Sounds crazy. I get it. But I am a firm. I am Santa Claus. I am the, the, the next. Uh, I am Mr. Christmas. And I believe every family deserves the right to celebrate it in their capacity without stress, without. And if we can be some component, some advocate of this, we have gotten our, we have built ourselves into a space where we can pull from the emergency fund to cover our property management cover uh, company and cover our mortgage payment, whatever expenses are tied with the house. And that what happens, right? What happens from this one, and I'm not saying this to gloat, I'm not saying this, but it's just, you got to figure out how to keep tenants, right? If your turnover rate is super high, you're going to be spending a lot of money every nine to 12 months. But if you can figure out how to keep a tenant two, three, four years, you're doing a darn good job. So I would rather over a three-year mark give up three Decembers, right, versus having to do a full turnover and get a new contracting team in there, get somebody in there to handle Trying to find a tenant that, waiting, you know. You know, vacancy. These things all factor in. So what we decided, right, because we're firm believers of family, you guys understand who we are. And we said all of our tenants have the month of December off. You do not have to pay rent because we want to be a blessing to them in this time when it's about celebrating the coming together, the fellowship, the, the great things we experienced all year and what we're hoping to achieve next year. And if we can release the burden of rent for one month, that hope, our hope is it'll provide some excitement, some cheer and just well, some- yeah, and I think also it's just kind of our way of giving back, right? And that that works for us. Um, it definitely works for our people, but it may not work for some people and that's totally fine. But I think, right, for us, like Jarrell said, this is a business, right? So just like if you go into a job interview and you're hearing about your job responsibilities, your your first and foremost question is, one, how much does it cost? Or how much am I getting paid? And two, what are the benefits that I'm getting, right? So it, we we kind of use that same framework because this is a business, right? It is our business. And so we have to treat it like this because there's plenty of different, there's so many renters in the world, especially if you look state by state to see, you know, what the percentage is of rent versus versus owning, it'll blow your mind. I, I encourage you to look it up, but they have a plethora of different options to choose from different 
you know, a pro- property management companies and different, you know, landlords. The the list goes on. So for us, it was okay. One, what is also going to set us apart, right? This is our way of giving back and how we do business. But what is going to set us apart from Joe and Sue down the street? They own that property and they rent. So that's just something that it just works, right? So. One, I think to wrap this up, passive income isn't what you think. There is so much that goes into it. And I think if you think that you have this kind of mindset that you're just going to build a business where you can just sit back and then, quote unquote, be passive, then you're really just fooling yourself. Um, is passive income worth it? Yes, 100%, hands down. I think, you know, when we're talking about passive income from a real estate perspective, you have to be okay with um, that long, that long-term game, right? Yes. If you're in for it for the instant gratification, I would say, look at stocks, look at, look at something else that is not as such long-term because as long as you have an understanding of what passive income entails and that it requires effort, you are going to one, be very pleased as to one, jumping into it and saying, I'm glad that I went this route. But if you don't have an understanding of it, and if you go into it with saying, you know, I don't I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to do anything. I just kind of want to sit back. Then it's it's just going to kind of backfire in your face. And I would, I just want to correct you real quick. Real estate is the market for long-term play. The reason why is we've seen over the last 40 years, 50 years, that it has only, this trajectory has gone up, right? Housing values have appreciated. Prices have gone up. Rent has gone up. So when we're talking about the long play, that is the focus. Whenever you're looking at passive income, if you want to get into, you know, uh, stocks or real estate, it's the long play, right? You want to focus on compound, the compound effect. Another great book you should read. Because when we look at passive income and we say, well, crap, this is only 200 bucks a month. But you let that 200 bucks just keep sitting for two, three years. And now you have your down payment for what's next. You have your down payment for that next property. You're setting yourself up for what's to come. So a couple of things as Brittany closed it, and I just want to give that last word, is that passive income is absolutely worth it. But you have to plan accordingly, right? We're not detouring you. We're just sharing our practices, what we're experiencing, and we got to go fly out and get these tickets. Yeah, our taken personal care of. experiences. But we want you to understand that this journey's not easy. You're not just going to get a, a paycheck every month without a little bit of elbow grease that needs to be put in there. And mind you, this is just our perspective yeah. from our own experience. Different. There's many ways to skin a cat, right? Isn't that what they say? Yep. So there's many ways to get to that outcome that we want. We're sharing what we've gone through and what we're experiencing now. And with that said, as we continue, continue to grow and close out 2022, we would love if you uh, just reach out, give us a, a question or comment at, across all social media platforms at Low Property Team or visit our website. And if you haven't noticed, Brittany and I dropped a book, an ebook, and it's available on Amazon. Visit our website. You can see it under the resources page. We want to continue to educate and share this information with the masses because 2023 is going to be on fire. So gird your loins. Uh, Get yourself ready. If you're ready to purchase a home, this is the time to start having a conversation with the lenders now in preparation for that. Or even just a realtor. I mean, if you don't know a lender, that's totally fine. They can connect you with a realtor in your area. Let's get prepared. Let's do this together and let's remain confident in our outcomes that we desire. Until next episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Homeownership and Marriage with the Low Property Team. If you would like more information, helpful resources, 
or would like to book a personal consultation with the Lowe's, head over to lowpropertyteam.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, Jarrell and Brittany would be so grateful if you shared their podcast with a friend and leave them a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. The Low Property Team would like to say thank you for supporting their show and being a listener. See you next time on another episode of Home Ownership and Marriage.